Amen. Good to have a seat. How are we doing this morning? Good? Doing all right, Ralph? Doing good? All right. Ralph's like, another song, guys. Come on. Who wants more? All right. Well, we'll get some later, okay? Um, so we, um, uh, as we continue in, in Ecclesiastes, I'm going to, um, let's see, I'm going to need a, a little bit of help. Uh, let's see. Who should I pick on? Who should I pick on? Uh, <laughs> Greg's like, me, me. No. Uh, Kelly, you're looking at your phone. I'll pick on you. <laughs> You've already been to a couple uh, services, so yeah, stand right there, right there, right there. Close your eyes. All right, close your eyes. Don't look, don't look. Okay, so I'm just going to put this up. Not, not for you, for everybody else. All right, so I'm going to have you see. I'm not going to hurt you. You know that. Uh, I would never do that. Uh, and I'm going to, in a second, have you open your eyes. I'm just gonna, you just have to describe what you see, okay? All right, you just have to describe what you see. Not yet. Once I say open, okay, open. I see the color green. <laughs> you see green? All right. Any, anything now? Yellow. We'll see some yellow. Any pattern, shapes, anything like that? Don't fall asleep on the blanket, Kelly. <laughs> All right, keep your eyes uh, shut. Okay. Uh, now, so that's sort of, uh, a, 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 that's an actual picture of really up close and personal. Okay. So now as I, as I stand back and you open your eyes, can you see it now? Can you guys see it? Here, I'll put it up for you so you can play along at home. All right. Let's hear it for Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. Um. And, and I, didn't, I did that because the, the, the preacher who we call the, the writer of Ecclesiastes, Koheleth, he is going to say um, that this is life. And we are so brief and, 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 and sometimes we, our life, we, we know there's patterns, we know there's purpose, we, know, we, we can sense it, we know it, but it's like that really, really, uh, it, it looks more like that to us, doesn't it? And, and, and we can get very exact. If I made Kelly stand there for, you know, an hour, come on, Kelly, what is it? What is it? And she's trying to figure it out. She would eventually get very frustrated because she's like, I, I can't. I know that there's, that there's a, a design there, but I just I can't see it. And, and, and so the idea here is that life also has a design, but you are not meant to know it all and to see it all. You experience it. And, you know, see, we, we often would like this to be like our dog Fluffy, you know, just kind of lives life. Doesn't really think much about the big questions in life. And, and we would love that, but you can't because as we're going to see, God set eternity in your heart. You know there's purpose. You know there's meaning. But it's like, what is it? And he says, it's, that's not the real question. Don't look to the design. Instead, look to the designer. Don't look just to the created but to the creator, right? Let's pray as we go to this great book again. Father, I pray um, just a, a prayer of thankfulness, first of all, for uh, your provision uh, in this church, great musicians and worship leaders, including the team today, um, for leading us in song, for our children's workers who are so dedicated downstairs, not just to babysit our kids, but to teach them the gospel, to show them who you are, for our greeters and refreshment teams and uh, tech team, just Lord, so many people using your gifts so that we could gather here and be focused on your word. But Lord, I, I pray whatever season anyone here is in or anyone joining online right now is in, that you would reveal yourself in a powerful way 
that every one of us would leave here today trusting and revering you more than when we walked in. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. So we've been in this uh, series of uh, Ecclesiastes, if you've been with us, that's what we're spending seven weeks. This is week three. And we, I've broken them down into sections. And uh, so this week and next week, we're, we're looking at the second section, which is chapters 3 through 5. Um, and, and really, this week, it's mostly just that first 15 verses of chapter 3, which uh, is a, a lot of, uh, by the way, I, I'm real proud of myself for this title. Think I could ever be a motivational speaker? You don't have this, all right? That's the message, okay? Um, you got this. No, you don't. No, you don't, and just breathe because someone else much greater than you does, right? That's the point. So, um, but, but this, as we get here to, to um, this section, whether you have a church background or not, you've probably at least heard the song, right? And I, I promised myself I wouldn't sing to you. To everything turn, turn. Come on, come on, come on. Just, no, no, never mind. Um, they ruined this, uh, that, that song ruined this great passage. Uh, and so you've at least maybe heard that. And that's what it's based on this, this passage. And, and so many people call this a pessimistic thing. Like, it's, it doesn't matter, you know, just like with the whole book. And that's not the case. He, he's pointing out something for us, right? And, and so he, he starts by saying, hey, for everything, there's a season. And a time for every matter under heaven. I use the word season a lot when I'm sharing messages. I, I think it's a really great word to describe just times in our life or circumstances. Because seasons, now if you lived in Hawaii, uh, you would just be like, I don't know what a season is. We got one, right? But you're in New England. And you know what they say, if you don't like the weather, just wait. It'll change, right? And so we know seasons. And, the, and the, the biggest aspect of seasons is they don't stay. No matter how much, you, you might want, like if you're a summer person, just like, come on, summer. And then September rolls into fall, right? And then all of a sudden you're in January. Or you're a winter person, you're like, oh, I just love the sweatshirt weather and all that. And then it's like, ugh, it's 90 degrees. It changes and you can't control it. And that's how life is. And, and, and well, um, we want to, but we can't. So let me ask you this. Um, and there's probably a few of you based on my last two times I've shared this message. Um, but raise your hand if you're someone who really likes change. You like, really like change? There's a few of you. You probably just like change in some things, probably, most likely. All right, raise your hand if you're just like, can't stand change. Can't stand it. All right, that's me. You know, when I was a kid, my parents, every once in a while, they would change what room we put the Christmas tree. Who does that? That's madness, Right? I was abused as a child, as you can see. Explains a lot, I can, I can, right? And, and, but most of us, we don't like, and even if you said you like change, it's like maybe in certain things, you don't just like, but we like tradition, we like the things to say because it's a, an element of control. It's a mirage, like we talked about last week, but it feels like we have control. Even, you know, uh, church folk, we really love change, don't we? Yeah, yeah, I think it was uh, Scott that first told me the joke, you know, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? How many, Scott? <laughs> change, right? I subbed that in when I use it for just church folk because, Scott, what I found is it ain't just Baptists, right? And, and it's not even just church people. We're just people. So change is hard when we're familiar with something. We like something, and, it, and it's just keep that because it's, a, it's an element of control. They've done studies, you know, and I'm looking around the room, and I'm sure there's nobody here that's like this, but you get to a certain age where you stop 
it, it, this is the style of our furniture. That's it. Some of you got that burnt orange rug from the 70s and the puke green chair. Can I say puke? Is that, that'll, I think I can. Right? And, and, and just like, that's it. Or your hairstyle, don't look around, all right? Because I've had the same hairstyle since I was a little kid. So whatever, I, I'm no one to judge. But like, we just, we just, just that's it. Because the world's crazy and seasons are changing and just at least I can control this, right? At least I can control this. My church stays the same or my clothing stays the same because change is hard. And yet what, this, what the preacher tells us is it's inevitable. There are seasons of life and they change and you can't do anything about it. You might want to keep it or you might want it to be gone. You can't do it. So what do you do? So before he gets to what you do or how you look at it, he gives us this beautiful poem, which I'm only going to stop a couple places um, because I want you to see it's meant to be rhythmic, right? It's meant. It's polar opposite things he gives us, which just, make, it just shows you that life is just full of these different varieties uh, of experiences. And, 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 and he gives us in a rhythm, in a poem that helps to not just see it but to feel it, right? He says there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. And by the way, like, I think some of these are definitely not just literal. They can be if you're a farmer or you like gardening. Like, you can really understand that. But, but it's metaphorical as well, right? There's times to grow roots in your life and stay. And there's times to move on. And some of you like to stay, and some of you like to move on. But there's just different, different seasons. He says there's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Probably my favorite verse. I don't know why. It just strikes deep. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Sometimes you experience that all in one season, right? Like, if you ever mourned, in, in, um, January can be a tough month for me, not just because I don't really like winter very much, but that was the month we lost my mom, the day before my dad's 70th birthday. That's how I always remember what day. And some years it strikes differently, but it's always, but I, I look back and I remember that time of mourning and we, we wept, we embraced, we prayed, we worshiped, and we laughed a lot. Because to think of the memories and to think of the, like you, it's all encompassing. And that's how your life is. There's seasons. There's seasons where you do weep. There's seasons where you do. And there's also seasons where you dance. Some of you do it very poorly, but you do it. And you should. That's the point, right? Is, is this, when you're in that season, you don't dance most likely at a funeral, although there might be some that you do, you know, you're rejoicing. But usually you don't. But then you do dance at a wedding. And there's seasons for these things, right? He continues, verse 5. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. Right? Sometimes you accrue things and sometimes it's time to push them out. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Koheleth, the preacher, he's not making moral judgments here. 
Because I even talked with one woman after the nine, and she was like, oh, good, I can hate. She was kidding, but she's really angry at someone right now. And I said, like I said, that it's, it's, it's not that it, he's not making a moral judgment that you should hate. He's just saying there's seasons where you will. <laughs> and, and what you do about that is a whole other sermon for another day, right? But there are seasons where you're angry. <laughs> there are seasons where, where, where you're at war or fully at peace. There's a rhythm to this life. It's always changing, and if we're trying to control it, it gets very exasperating and disconcerting, right? There are times to weep. Some of you, I don't cry. Come on, right? You're missing out. I'll be the first to admit, I love a good cry. Anybody? I'm not like when I was two. Like, I want to do that sometimes. That doesn't get me anywhere. But uh, a, a, a really powerful emotional scene in a movie or at, at a, uh, a funeral or at a wedding or just, you, you just get choked up and you just, Jesus wept. Is it too, you know, too good for you? Like, you can weep too. And to miss out is saying, I don't weep. It means I don't, I don't do that season. But you do. You're just kidding yourself. Or I don't dance. I just stand in the corner. Come on, move a little bit. It's okay, right? Like just what I do is the lawnmower, something like that. Like, you know, that way I don't have any rhythm, but I would do the rowboat for you, but that's just, that could get us completely out of control, so I won't do that. But, like, there's a time to do that. There's a time to dance. There's time to enjoy. You, 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 you enjoy these times um, in, in, in life and in, in season, even when they're hard. As we're about to see here, all of these, we'll we'll let him say it. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything. That's key, right? Greek word, what does it mean? Everything, all. Everything beautiful in its time. Beautiful? Weeping, that's beautiful. A season of hard loneliness is, is beautiful. He's saying that the, the, all of the rhythm of the seasons are, are beautiful. Not just laughter and dancing and, and in the times you're feeling intimate or friendship, like, like the, the times you're embracing, but the times you're not embracing. The, 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 the times in between, they, they're, they're beautiful. How can, how can mourning be beautiful? It's not saying it's not hard. It's not saying you're hoping for a time of mourning. It's just saying when you do mourn, guess what you're looking at? That God gave me a gift of this person, and maybe you lost them and they died, or maybe it's just a relationship that's ended, and you, and you get to gaze upon life, and, and man, you've lived. You've, 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 you've been able to see, wow, God gave me that person. God gave me that situation. And it's hard, but it's but It's beautiful. Right? We, we, we see there's, there's beauty in, um, in, in youthful vigor, right, if you're young here. Right? We, a lot of us are jealous of you because, you, you know, you're, you're training for a marathon or something. And you're like, there's, there's something beautiful about it, about the, about the hopes and dreams and plans you have for your life and the excitement that surrounds that and, and the giant mess that's probably coming at some point. And there's beauty in being older, where you have much less vigor energy, but you have memories and experiences and wisdom that you didn't have. And then there's sort of the in-between. I feel like I'm not, I'm kind of at the point now where when I drop something, I'm like, eh. 
it really worth picking that up? I don't know. I know I'm going to drop something again, so I'll just kill two birds with one stone and just bend over that. Right? You kind of get to that point. And it's beautiful, right? In all of its beauty, all of its wonderful things, and all of its hard things, the whole rhythm of, of life. And, and, and yet, if we're not careful, what we're trying to do is being in that season when we're really, God has us in this season. And, and even when it's a good season, it's like, well, and we're, we're always looking uh, at someone else or something else. Or something, and say, so well, it's beautiful where you are. It's beautiful, and it's going to change whether you like it or not. Right? So, so Jamie, ask the preacher, right? Ask Solomon, why is it so hard then? Like, why do I want to change things to see the big picture? I understand what you're telling me, but I still want to see the design. I still want to see the purpose. I still want to have some kind of control, right? We're, we're, we're not like uh, our dog Fluffy. And I know some of you have a baby carriage for Fluffy. Fluffy goes to doggy daycare, and Fluffy eats organic dog food, and Fluffy has a craftmatical adjustable bed, right? And guess what? Fluffy's still a dog. And Fluffy wakes up and thinks about eating and peeing, and that's it. Now, I think about those things too, but amongst that is a lot of other things. Why? Well, because God has done something, right? This is the issue. This is what makes this different, right? He, he says, also, he has put eternity into man's heart, not Fluffy's heart. Fluffy's not thinking about eternity and the big purpose of life at all. We are, because that's how God designed you. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That's why it's so beautiful, but it's so hard, because we see it. Remember the blurry picture? Like, like we, we, we see it. There is a design. There is a purpose. There is something that's supposed to be happening, right? There is something bigger, but what is it? I can't see it. I want to control it. And, and we have eternity in our heart, but we can't, because God says, it's not your job to know it all, to see it all. You'd screw it up anyway, right? That's me, not God, just so we're clear, right? But, but so what, what, a, what a secular um, person does, and when we say secular, what we just mean is whether uh, you might be an atheist, agnostic, something else, is that, that you just don't think God has, a, has really anything to say about your life. Like, he's, you know, it's up to me. I got I to gotta make something happen. And so what, what a secular person will often do, because you can't control everything, is you'll throw yourself into one or two things and become an expert in it, right? An expert in, in finances, an expert in science or engineering or medicine or uh, relationships or psychology or sports or music or whatever. You just get your thing, and, 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 and then I'm going to throw myself into it. The problem is you eventually look up and go, oh, my gosh, there's still so much I am hopelessly clueless. And then you try to say, well, I'll just be um, fluffy. I'm just going to live. I'm not going to think about any of it. Right? I'm just going to live today, do what I want, enjoy it. How long is that going to last you until you're majorly depressed because those things do not satisfy you? They're fun in the moment, but it's going to take you like three days to go, but there's got to be something more. There's got to be. Because you have eternity set in your hearts. And so what is the answer? He says, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil, all the seasons. Here's why. This is God's 
gift to man. See, what you have where you're at, whatever season it is, whatever, whoever you're married to or you're in a season of singleness or whatever school you're at or whatever, like whatever is going on, you like it, you don't, probably a mix of two, like this is the season you're at now. Guess what? It's going to change. But God has gifted you these things now. And man, we're always like, especially now with the devices, right? Like always looking somewhere else instead of what has God given me here and now. It's beautiful. If we're always focused on what we don't have, right? We're grumbling and angry and exasperated and frustrated and wondering, right? But instead, think about all, regardless of things you don't have, every breath, but that's a gift, that's a gift. You, some of you are old enough now where you're like, yeah, man, I know that's a gift. Every breath's a cliffhanger, right? All right. Got through that one, right? Or, or I take so for granted, and some of you can't. Because I'm walking around up here. My legs are working. Like I, like, I don't think about that. Some of you do. Right? It's, it's a beautiful season, right, regardless of of whether, whatever it is, whatever you like or don't like, there is beauty in it because it's all a gift from your creator. You see, the whole point he's trying to make is that that all of this, stop trying to figure it out like you're the designer and let it point your focus and your gaze to the designer. Right? See the beauty in what he's given you, even in the seasons that you don't particularly like. The nice dinner the, the, that you had last night, the, the warm home that you get to go back to, the, the friend who greeted you with an embrace or a smile today. We just go, oh, that's, that, well, that's life. No, 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 no. That's a gift. That is a beautiful gift that God has given you. In the hard times, if you're old enough, you know this. Those are the times that he reaches you. But um, he continues and he says, I, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever, Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it, so the people fear before him. That's a weird word. And there is some fear when you don't know God. There should be, like, that we think about, fear and trembling kind of thing. Absolutely. But it's a bigger word. It means to have reverence for, to see, man, I, I don't know anything, but you know it all. Like, I can't control anything, but you control it all. Like, I can't do any of it, but you can do it, right? Like, there's this, this idea of what this all should do is instead of making you exasperated and frustrated, it should turn you into a worshiper. And see, I don't, why would I worship me? I would worship God but we often feel lost, don't we? <laughs> Maybe you're here this morning and you're just like, eh, this is all well and good, but I feel lost. I feel far away from God. I feel like I just don't even know what to believe or think or where God is. I, I, I've read Ecclesiastes many times. For whatever reason, this uh, sentence or this phrase that we're about to see has never struck me until this time. And that's why I bring it up. If you're feeling lost or away from God or not sure, look what the preacher says. He says, that which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Do we take that for granted? 
Is there any other God out there that does this? That we have the creator, God of heaven and earth. And he seeks that which was driven away. Wow. You're so important to him that he will come get you. He's not waiting on a mountaintop going, come on, get religious. Improve the morality in your life. Stop swearing. Stop going to rated R movies. And then you'll get up here, right? Oh, I can go on and on, the list, right? Instead, he's saying, no, 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 you're lost, and I'm coming to get you. You've been driven away. You're scattered. I'm coming to get you. That, that, that even all the way back in Ecclesiastes, we, we see this picture of our God who does not leave lost people lost. The only reason you're lost is because you refuse to let him save you. Uh, the apostle Paul wrote it this way in Romans. For while we were still weak, not strong, <laughs> not found, while we were weak, while we were lost, while we're, right, we have no idea what's going on, while we were still weak at the right time, the right time, that's what Ecclesiastes is all about, the seasons of life, the perfect time, Christ died for the ungodly. When you were at your worst lostness, the perfect time came the cross where God came to those of us who have been driven away by our sin, our shame, our sickness, our brokenness, our lostness, prisons of our own making. And remember, like Jesus gave us his purpose statement in, in uh, the Gospel of Luke. He calls himself the Son of Man. He said, for me, the Son of Man, Jesus said, came to what? To start a church? <laughs> to find holy people and get with them? No. He came to seek and save the lost. That's Ecclesiastes. It's just Jesus fulfilling it. He is the way that God made to say. Remember the parables Jesus told? Like the shepherd? He had 99, one over here, and one went away. If you were me, be like, yeah, I got 99. That's good. But not, he says, no, no, no. We have a God that says, I'm going. I got to find that lost sheep. The woman who lost the coin. She had a bunch, she had other coins, but then she's just like, I got to find. When she found it, everyone partied, celebrated. The lost son, the father, looked eagerly, ran to him because you were lost and now you're found. That is our God. So instead of wondering about all the purpose and all of this and trying to figure out the pattern, look to the creator because he is a God whose plan is to save. And the plan, though the, the Koheleth of Ecclesiastes didn't quite understand this, we do. His plan was Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Like, I'm not trying to, like, I, I don't play tricks. I don't mince words. Jesus is the way to go from being lost and separated from God to being found and living with him in relationship for all of eternity. You don't have to, what you do is believe. He's come to you. Like you, you didn't run to God. God come, comes to you, and, and he's like, will you believe? And you just have to take his hand. And he said, I believe. I don't even know what it all means. I just, I just believe that I was lost. I need to be found. You're a God who goes after that which has been driven away. All you need to do is believe. So many of us have done that, right? So what about us? What is Koheleth telling us in this poem and in this section? Well, 
we have to live a certain way. You're not just going to sit at home and not live. You've got to live. So you have to choose. Regardless of what you might say, you have to choose. How am I going to live? Am I going to live like the secularist, right, who, who, who just says, well, uh, it's just God doesn't really have something and he's up there somewhere, but I've got I to make my own way. Or are you going to live like a man or woman, boy or girl of faith? Right? So Kohela teaches us that we live in a place of fearing God, reverent. No matter how many degrees you might make, no matter how much money you might make, no, no matter how much control you think you have, how many times have I told you this? One phone call from one singular person can crush you, and it's all gone. And that's why we stay up at night, because we want to have control, but we don't. We don't. I'm not saying you sit around going, oh, it's all going to be crushed. That's not how you live. But you live instead of, instead of um, trying to figure it all out, instead just say, I'm not meant to. That doesn't mean you don't ask deep questions. That's why we're looking at an Ecclesiastes. That's why it's in our Bibles. It just means I'm not meant to. I promised you that I would be bringing this blanket out here and there in this series, so I have it. It's a weighted blanket purposefully. And what it does, right, is that some of you really like these. Me, not so much, but because I like to move, as you can tell. Um, and it kind of forces you to get down. The idea of a life in awe of God is humility. How freeing would it be if you just went, I'm not God. I can't control all these seasons, all these circumstances. I can't understand everything, and it's okay. He does. I'm not meant to save the world. I'm meant to worship the God who redeems the world. And, and what happens as you live your life with humility as you begin to whatever season it is, you're putting the ring on your finger at the wedding, you worship God. With tears as you, as you say goodbye to someone you loved, you worship God. In your youthful vigor as you're training for that event, like God gave you that body, like worship God. And, and then if you're, you wake up and you're like, my body is failing me, you know in Christ you have a new one coming. And you worship God. You see how it works? That there is this idea of reverence. You see, secularists will say the start of life is to love yourself. You ever heard that one? That's not true. To really live life and to really begin living life is to know the God who loves you regardless of whether or not you love yourself. Some of you don't even like yourself right now. But God hasn't changed his mind about you. You didn't catch him by surprise and do that thing where he's like, oh, man, whoops. No, no, no. He's a God who seeks. He's a God who rescues. He's a God who redeems. He's a God who heals. He's a God who forgives. He's a God who saves. That's the God. That's the God who we revere. It takes humility. Whatever season, you move into your new home, you worship. You get that new friend, you worship. You, you have that awesome amount of, an, of intimacy, you worship. And you're lonely, you worship. All the rhythms of all the seasons are meant to live out in worship, to look at your life and say, it's not meant to bring me glory. It's meant to bring him glory. That changes things, doesn't it? Okay, Jamie, well, that's all well and good. It's a big topic of the meaning of life, 
all that. But I'm hurting right now. I'm having a hard time just taking one step. What do I do? I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I just, I'm supposed to revere God and I'm just having trouble getting dressed in the morning. I'm having trouble seeing what this day is going to hold, let alone my whole life. You see, what's beautiful about Ecclesiastes is God knows the season you're in right now and he's in it with you. He's not, you think he's only in it with the dancing? No. God is in the season and there's a time, a time for friendship, a time for loneliness, a time for exciting new date, and a time for a breakup, a time for a new job, a time for job loss, a time for healing, a time for deep wounds, a time, a season for everything, and this God is with you, whatever season it might be. So how do you live? A place of trust, especially when it's hard. I love when you guys succeed and do amazing things. I really do. I get jealous sometimes. Not gonna lie. My brother and sister-in-law. I was like really happy for them as I saw them post on Facebook this picture from Mexico last week. I was a little irritated too. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, I want to be in Mexico. But overall, I was so happy. I want that for you, Rick. I don't want people to be unhappy, right? But how cruel would it be if I was your God? And had all only good seasons for you. You wouldn't grow. You would become a petulant, spoiled brat, and you'd be bored all the time. But you see, whatever season it is, you you trust. You, do you remember when you were a kid? And I'm talking like a little kid, and and you'd get in the back seat, and your parents got in the front seat, right? And I know those of you who are millennials, you had the DVD strapped to the back. Those of you who are younger, you got mom or dad's phone or, God forbid, your own phone, right? And you're looking through. My day, we stared out the window at trees, and we liked it, all right? We didn't like it, but that's all we had. And, and, and you're sitting there, right? And you didn't, you didn't think about where you were going, how you were going to get there, what was going to happen if, and if something went, went wrong or you had to take a detour. You didn't, you didn't think about it. You know why? You knew your parents had it. You trusted it. You trusted it. What would happen if you lived life like that? I'm not saying you don't have things to do, right? You don't just sit in the back seat of your life, right? But you don't know the detours and, 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 and why you need to go that way. And, you don't, and if something happens along the way, you're probably not going to be able to handle it. But you trust the God who handles everything. He's already in the detour. He's already around the curve, around the bend. And so if you're going through a really painful season right now, right, it's, it's literally just one step but trust God. Trust his word. Cling to the word of God and say, I believe this. This is right. Even if everyone else that I see out there saying it's wrong, it's right. And surround yourself like we are with people who also believe and cling to the word so they can encourage you when you are feeling hopeless, helpless. Life is to live in a place of trust. So you obey him. And you obey him, and you trust him, and you trust him. And there's times for dancing, and there's times for weeping. There's times for embracing, and there's times for refraining from embracing. And all the while, you trust him through the highs and the lows because he's the creator. 
He has this. You don't need to. Let's pray. Father, my heart has um, been heavy all week for those that I just described who have a hard time putting one step in front of the other. I want to just pray. I want to pray for them. I don't really even know what to pray for except, oh God, would you give them a sense of hope in their hopelessness? Would you bless them with an ability to just see that you're in it with them? That it's a season that will not last. I pray for the lonely, for the weeping, for the mourning, for those who just don't know where all this is going. Oh God, would you give them the ability and strength to cling to your word and to trust you to breathe and know you got this and so that they can worship you. They can bring you glory even in this season. And Lord, thank you for those who are in a good, beautiful season right now. I pray that they would not look beyond it or look around. They would enjoy the beautiful gifts you've put in their life right now. Right now, Lord. Help us to see. Help us to experience that laughter is a gift, that good food is a gift, that that home, that family, that friend are all gifts from you. Even to be here right now is a gift. Let us not squander that, Lord. Finally, Lord, I do pray for those who have never fully trusted that Christ is the only way to go from lost to found. Open their eyes of faith. They would just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you died for me. Thank you for doing that in my heart, and I just so long for you to do it. And everyone who's in this room or joining us online that has never trusted in Christ, that right now you'd open their eyes of faith to know you love them that much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together if you can.